Well, what is today, everyone, in the United States of America? Super Bowl Sunday. You see, there's regular holidays, and then there's Super Bowl Sunday. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is. So I have to ask the question this morning, Super Bowl Sunday. So how many in here are for the Patriots? <laughs> Somebody just lost their voice. <laughs> Jared, I love it. That's awesome. Very good. All right, how many are for the Seattle Seahawks? I wonder what would have happened if I had asked that question three weeks ago. I think it would have been different, don't you? How many of you are like, yeah, my team is not in it? Yeah, yeah all right, all right. How many of you could care less? <laughs> All right, there you go, awesome, awesome. You guys have fun at your party tonight. Uh, <laughs> love the series that we're in right now. I love the fact that we have our first uh, through uh, fifth graders here in with us uh, because uh, we have been doing a renovation in our Island Kids space, and we got a few more weeks on that. Um, where are my first through fifth graders? Raise your hand and give a big shout out. Why don't you give it up this morning? Hey, hey, say hey, hey, where are you guys? All right. Awesome. All over the place. Not too many over here, but that's okay if you are. It's awesome. I, I got to tell you, it's been really good for me as your pastor uh, just to see everyone in, the, in one place over these past few weeks. Um, parents, adults, hadn't it been great um, to have everybody together over these past few weeks just learning about God's word together? And so I believe that God gave us this opportunity um, as a church family um, just to really grow in our faith walk together and have, have our students and our kids uh, all together with us. So it's been really good. Hey, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Kings. It's in the Old Testament all the way towards the beginning of the Bible. Um, some of you are like, where in the world is 2 Kings? I didn't even know there was a book called 2 Kings. You can go to Psalms and work your way back a little bit. That's probably the best way to do it. We'll go to Psalms and work your way back towards 2 Kings. Um, and uh, we're going to be there today in 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. And if you don't have your Bibles, it is all right because we will have the verses on the screen. Uh, also, today when you walked in, you were given notes. You were handed this little worship folder. And on the inside cover uh, is our notes that we'll be walking through here today as we continue in the series called Change Agent. You can also go download our app and you can access the notes uh, through our app. And so if you have your uh, device with you today, you can do that. So why don't we pray and just ask God's blessing on our time together this morning. God, we thank you so much for today. And God, we do celebrate the fact that you are alive in us, God. And the fact that you're alive means that we should act that way. We should act alive, God. We should be excited and enthusiastic about the fact that you are living in us. God, and we thank you so much for that. God, I thank you for your church. This is your church, your bride. God, and I thank you so much for that. And I thank you for those who are gathered here today. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide us today. God, I pray that you would be pleased by everything that's said and that your Holy Spirit would guide our hearts and our minds. And God, I pray where there's challenges, God, I pray that you would cause us to be encouraged. And where we have shortcomings or, or failures, God, I pray that we'd be challenged in that by you from your word. Guide us this morning, and I pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. A few weeks ago, we began this series, uh, and we're calling it Change Agents. And we began it by talking about the fact that Jesus calls those of us who call ourselves Christ followers to be salt and to be light. 
he, he asks us or he tells us it's a command that we're supposed to be salt and light. And what that means is, is that we are supposed to change the environments that we're in. Because you think about it, that's what salt does, right? Salt changes wherever it is. It changes whatever thing it's involved with. Light changes the environment, right? You're in a dark room, turn on the light, it changes the environment. That's what Jesus asked us to do. But it doesn't stop there. The Bible is full of examples of people who, who are change agents. They're, they're people who are dedicated to God and are looking for opportunities in their world to make a change for his good and for his glory and for his kingdom's sake. And that's how he wants us to operate, those of you who are Christ followers in here today. That's what he calls us to, to be salt and light. And we have some great examples from God's word to do that. But I want to just tell you in week one, what we learned is this, is it doesn't matter how, how tall you are, thank goodness. It doesn't matter how short you are. It doesn't matter um, you know, how strong or weak you are or how old or young you are. Each one of us, each one of you has some kind of influence in the life of someone else. Each one of you has some kind of influence in the life of someone else. And while we as people shouldn't take ourselves too seriously, uh, we should take the work of God seriously in our lives, right? We should take the opportunities that he's given us to make spiritual change in our lives and in the lives of the people that we are close to. We should take that very seriously. That's something that he's called, not just me as a pastor, not just people who are in the ministry. He's called all of us who are God followers and Christ followers to be looking for opportunities to influence people for his good and for his glory. In week two, we uh, took a look at the lunch boy. This was this kind of obscure character in the background of the great miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I know for um, us, our son, he loved the lunch boy. You loved the lunch boy, didn't you, Sean? So anyway, we talked a lot about the lunch boy. And we learned from the lunch boy that when uh, other people doubt, uh, we can believe in God. When there's a hopeless situation and other people lack confidence, we can have that God confidence that he's going to provide. And when we learn when other people are unwilling to help, that we ought to be a part of what God is doing by helping out and participating in what God is doing. In week two, last week, we looked at the poor widow. She was in the temple one day when Jesus was there uh, in this place where common people gathered, not just priests, and she dropped in two copper coins and she gave everything that she had. And, and the lesson that we learned is, is that change agents will trust God with the rest when we give all of ourselves in any given situation, whether it's financially, whether it's in terms of our gifts, or our ministries, or to our families. We have to trust God to provide. And when we do that in full, wow, we really demonstrate to those around us what it means to be a faithful, trusting person in God. Today we come to this great, one of my favorite change agents in all the world. We come to King Josiah. King Josiah. And he's found about 600 years before the time of Jesus, so about 600 years, about halfway, a little over halfway through the history of the Jewish people uh, uh, being involved with a, a monarchy, with a king, and, and we find this man named Josiah. Now, let me give you a little history of what was going on with the nation of Israel, with the Jewish people during this time, because it's really important that we understand this to understand where Josiah was in the context of what was going on during that time. So you see, uh, the Jewish uh, people, they, they left Egypt 
Egypt. They were released from slavery. God parted the waters of the Red Sea. They walked through on dry land, and they went out into the wilderness. They spent some time out in the wilderness. Then they went into the promised land, and they were in the promised land for a while, and, and they really were looking around at the nations around them, the ones that were doing some amazing things, which back in that day, amazing things meant they were conquering the land, basically. And all of those nations had a king. They all had a monarchy. They all had a king. And so the people of God cried out to God, give us a king. We want to be led by a king so we can be successful. And you know what God did? He gave him a king. The first king of the Jewish people was a man by the name of Saul. He wasn't a particularly good fella. He wasn't a particularly beneficial or ben, uh, uh, a man who did good. But the second king was a king by the name of David. And David was a good king. And his son Solomon was also a good king. But then after that, after Saul and David and Solomon, the whole country, the whole nation, the whole people group split into two. They had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom being Israel, the southern kingdom being Judah, and this nation was now divided. You see, they wanted what they wanted, and they asked God to give them a king, and it ended up that a king was not the best thing for them. But God gave them what they want. He does that sometimes with us. He gives us what we desire, even though it may not be the best thing for us. He wants us to learn to trust him in that. And so the nation is divided. And for hundreds of years, both of these nations, Israel and Judah, had kings. And they, they split into two, and they each had their own king. They each had their own monarchy. And in fact, Judah had one queen. Isn't that interesting? Not, not many people know about that. But there was one period of time where there was a queen in there with Judah, the southern kingdom. And so during this period of time, which was about 1,000 years of these 42, there were 42 different kings and one queen, only Eight of them, only eight of 42, were righteous and good leaders. You see, all the other times when they had the opportunity to do something for God that was good, that would have furthered his kingdom, they chose not to do that. And so only eight times in this thousand-year history do we find good kings and good monarchs and, uh, of the Jewish people. And so we come to Josiah, and here's the culture when Josiah came onto the scene to become king. His dad and his grandfather both were part of the kings that were very bad. They made terrible decisions. They made terrible decisions in terms of the nation, in terms of their spiritual uh, uh, connection with God. And so this King Josiah comes along, and his father, uh, Amon, had made some terrible decisions, and his grandfather, uh, Manasseh, had made some terrible decisions. And he comes along on the scene, and everything in terms of their relationship with God was torn apart. The whole nation was just a mess. See, during this period of time in Jerusalem, there was a temple, and that's where the presence of God existed, was in the temple. Well, the temple had been ignored for hundreds of years. It had been left alone. It had been left to decay. And it had been just really kind of abandoned, really, is what had happened. And during that period of time, the Jewish people there in Judah, in an effort to better themselves because they were far from God, and God let them way out on the leash, and they made some terrible decisions to try to better themselves, they went into the temple, but they didn't worship God. They worshiped false gods because they began to doubt that God could see them through. 
And so Josiah comes onto the scene, and the temple is in ruins. It's in disarray. It's in decay. It's not going well. Things are terrible. And in fact, the word of God, the Bible, they called it the book of the law, had gotten lost. Isn't that interesting? I don't know about you, but like when I was growing up, we had like house rules that were, you know, that my sister and I had uh, that we had to obey. And like if we didn't want to obey them, uh, I always thought it would be a great idea to, you know, conveniently lose those rules. And that really like what we do, like when we don't want to obey something that we know we're supposed to do, or we don't want to do what, you know, mom or dad or somebody in charge and authority of us, if we don't want to do what they want to do, we kind of lose that. We either lose it up here or we lose it. The Jewish people had lost the book of the law. This word of God on how they were supposed to live had been lost for years. And so when Josiah comes onto the scene and becomes king, everything in his nation is in disarray. And in fact, it is amazing. He is born and eight years into his life, he becomes king because his father was killed. Now, how many of you guys who are children in here, how many of you are like seven, eight, or nine? Raise your hand. Seven, eight, or nine. Sean's birthday is this week. He's going to be eight. So he's right at, at the age that King Josiah was. Keep your hands up. Would it be cool to be king right now? Would that be awesome? I mean, let's, let's face it. Would that be good to be king? Like you have everything in the world to do whatever you wanted. I'm 41. I would like that. That'd be awesome. Right? Parents, adults. Yeah, that'd be awesome. He was eight years old when he became king. But Josiah, even though he was a young man, even though he was little, he had a huge influence for God. And it wasn't just because he was the king. This was a man who loved God and he was righteous. Take a look at your notes this morning. I want to find out why this man by the name of Josiah was such a good king. Why was he such a change agent in the whole relationship between humanity and God? Take a look at your notes. Josiah was a change agent because as the king of Judah, first and foremost, he did, what the, he did the right thing despite his family's history of doing the wrong thing. I mean, when your dad and your grandfather consistently over time always do the wrong thing, it's going to be very difficult for you to do the right thing. And this man named Josiah, when he was born, he was born and he did the right thing. Take a look at 2 Kings verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 2. I love this because this was written, at the be or it was written about the beginning of his life. And the writer says this, he, he was eight years old, that's verse 1. In verse 2 he said, and Josiah did what was, what's that next word? You can say it out loud. Right. He did what was right. Now, the writer of Chronicles and the writers of Kings always told you what the kings did that were evil and good. If Josiah had had some evil times, it would have been written about. He was a good king, and I believe that he was a pretty righteous person for most of his life. Not perfect, but he was a righteous person for most of his life. It says he was right, and he did what was right. And he walked in all the ways of David, his father. That was the, the, the second king of, of the Jewish people, and, and he was a good king, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. He did what God asked him to do. Listen, listen. Kids, children, students, parents, adults, 
doesn't matter what kind of position you hold, does it? It doesn't matter what your title is or how important you may be or how important you think you might be. The fact is, is you don't have to be king to make a huge difference for God. You just have to want to pursue the right thing. Josiah probably had a tremendous pull to do the wrong thing. And yet, right out of the gates, the writer says he was a righteous man. He did the right thing. Even when he had family history of doing the wrong thing. Secondly, Josiah was a change agent because as the king of Judah, he was passionate about following God's leading in his life and in the life of his nation. I love this. This is awesome. So during Josiah's reign, they find this book of the law. And one of the high priests comes to Josiah and says, we found the book of the law. And Josiah tore his clothes, he ripped his clothes, and he begins to weep, and he falls down, face down to God. Now, that might be kind of weird for us today. Like if, you know, if you're a Patriots fan and they win, you like tear your clothes and you begin to weep and fall down. What would you think? You'd think they lost, right? This was what people did when something great happened. He was so excited that they found the word of God. He was so thrilled that it finally was in a place that they could put their hands on it and read it. And look what he does in chapter 23. Absolutely love this. This is amazing. Chapter 23, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Then the king sent, and all of the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, that was the main city, the capital city, the holy city, they, they were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, that's the temple, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. Love that part. That's awesome. And he, uh, excuse me, and he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant that's a promise. That's a big word for promise. He made a covenant before the Lord. Here's what he said to God. To walk after the Lord and to, what's that next word? Keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and soul. To perform the words of this covenant, that promise that were written in this book. And look at that last line. This is my favorite part. And all the people did what? They joined in the covenant. That's a change agent, isn't it? That's a change agent. This is the king. And he really essentially goes and he summons all the people of his nation and he gathers them together and he says, hey, everyone, we have done what is wrong and it is time to change things. It's time to do what's right. And the word of God says they all joined in. That's influence, isn't it? That's influence, huge influence. He was a change agent, not only, not only because he did the right thing when his family did the wrong thing, but secondly, because he was passionate about following God's leading in his life, in the life of his nation. And thirdly, he was a change agent. He was a change agent because as the king of Judah, he was courageous, courageous in confronting what was dishonoring to God and then restoring what was honoring to God. He was courageous in saying, hey, there's some stuff going on in this nation that needs to stop going on. There are some practices that we have had, some things that we've been doing as a nation that need 
to stop. And he was courageous in confronting that. Those things that were dishonoring to God and restoring what was right to God. Take a look at that next verse, verse 4 of 2 Kings 23, verse 4. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priest of the second order, and the keepers of the threshold, to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels. Those are things that they worshipped, uh, uh, things that they would worship, made for Baal and Asherah and for the host of heavens. And he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. Basically, here's what he does. He's like, we are not worshiping the God, the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, our God. We are worshiping other idols because we've put our trust in something else. We so often do that, don't we? I mean, today, in today's day and age, it may not be idols that are God's small g, but it might be something else. It might be something that, you know, we don't, we trust in God and he doesn't seem to come through and doesn't seem to come through and doesn't seem to come through. And so we turn to something else, don't we? We turn to our friends or adults. We turn to maybe some kind of thing that's addictive in nature or we turn to something that is a house of cards or may even cause us harm in life. And what Josiah does here is he goes into the temple and he says, we need to get rid of all of this and we need to get back to the practices of God. You can read in chapter 22 verses, I think it's about four through seven, that he began to restore the temple. So he was restoring the physical presence of the temple back to the way it was, in a way that was honoring to God. But he was also serious about the spiritual condition. Who were they worshiping? What were they worshiping? How were they doing it? And he began to take out that stuff of the temple that was dishonoring to God. And he began to bring back things that were honoring to God. Isn't that great? That's a change agent. And I just want to point out that when you see temple in the Old Testament, this is great for you children, it's great for us adults. When you see temple in the Old Testament, that was the dwelling place of God. But where now in our time is the dwelling place of God for those of you who are Christ followers? You know where it is? It's in you. The Bible's clear that the Holy Spirit of God indwells you once you become a Christ follower. And so if we make an analogy, if we make a comparison, if we're truly Josiah's parents and adults and even kids and students, we got to look within first. And sometimes we have to clean house, don't we? I've had to do that. I've had to do that. I've had to clean house in here. I've had to clean house in here. And parents sometimes, and adults sometimes, being a change agent means that you look within your own house and find what may be dishonoring to God. And you lead the effort to get rid of it and get back to the things that honor God. Lastly, in 2 Kings 23, verses 21 through 23, this is just great because this is kind of the conclusion of the story. Take a look at verse 21 of chapter 23. And the king commanded all the people, keep the Passover. We're going to be learning about the Passover uh, later uh, in the spring. To the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of the covenant, for no such Passover had been kept since the days of the judges who judged Israel. That was hundreds of years earlier, hundreds of years earlier, probably about five or 600 years earlier. And during all the days of the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah, but in the 18th year, of King Josiah, this Passover was kept to the Lord in Jerusalem. You see, he as a young man, he was still a young man. He wasn't eight years old anymore, but he was still a young man. He led the effort to re 
build and, and, and uh, rededicate the temple, but he also led the effort to bring people back to God. He was a change agent. But what if he hadn't done it? What if when he became king, they found the book of the law, they found the word of God, and he went, oh, that's good, but we need to be about protecting our borders. We need to be about making more money for our kingdom. We need to be about this, this, and this. What if he had just ignored that? Well, the alternative mission or the alternate mission here is had Josiah not removed corruption and restored good in Judah, the heritage of God's people may have been forever forgotten. Listen, I want you to capture this. During this thousand-year period of the Jewish people, this was the last good, righteous king. He was the last one. You may, you may be an eight-year-old in here, or you might be 80 in here. and You may be the last person in your family that's going to stand for what's right. Students, those of you who are teenagers, middle school or high school, you may be the last person in your school or in your class to stand up for the things of God. Josiah is a fantastic example of what it means to be a change agent. And then we read in verse 25 of 2 Kings 23, Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his might, according to all the laws of Moses. Nor did any like him arise after. He was the last good king. He wouldn't be a change agent in our series if he had made the wrong choice. He wouldn't be a change agent in our series if he had just ignored the fact that this was going on in his country and his nation. He made a stand because he was passionate about God. How did he do it? Take a look at the mission protocol. You see, this is for us too. Being a change agent requires a passionate heart for God. It requires courage to take action towards obedience and persistence to keep going where there's strong opposition. I want y'all to look up at here for a moment. Just look up at here for a moment. Kids, you guys in the back, look up at here for a moment. Just want, just want to get your attention for a moment. You and I have the opportunity in a moment to make good decisions or bad decisions that affect people and affect their spiritual lives. What are you going to do? Are you going to choose the wrong thing, students? when you're being pulled to go with the wrong crowd or doing something that the wrong crowd is doing? Parents, are you going to choose to do the wrong thing in your family and kind of turn around and turn the other way when you see something wrong? Are you going to stand and be an ambassador, a representative for God and for his kingdom? It takes courage, but it's courage that can't come from within. We have to rely on God. And so your change agent assignment today is this. Ask God for the courage. Ask God for the courage to do what is right in situations where there is strong influence to do what is wrong. We can't do it on our own. We have to rely on God to be people who are change agents like Josiah. You and I may have the only opportunity for someone else to be led to the God of salvation and grace and mercy. And if we let that opportunity to do the right thing go unnoticed or undone, we become people who are not change agents. I don't know about you, 
But if I'm going to be serious about my faith walk, I want to be a change agent. I want to be someone like Josiah who does the right thing. I haven't always done that. I don't always do it. We are not perfect, but God calls us, those of you who are here today, to be Christ followers, to do the right thing. That's my prayer for each and every one of you, is that in the moment, you and I would make a stand like Josiah, rely on God, and ask him for the confidence to do the right thing. Would you pray with me this morning? I just want to spend some time and I'm going to ask the kids and students who are in here um, just to pray along with us as well. You guys can put your pencils down just for a moment. Pray along with us. God, I just pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would raise up young people and old people alike who don't take themselves too seriously, but God, I pray that we would take our mission in this world very seriously. And God, right now, I pray for courage for all of us who call ourselves Christ followers in this room. God, I pray that you would give us the courage to make a stand for you even when it's not easy, even when there's a strong pull to do the wrong thing. Kids and students, if you're in here, you have strong pulls You have strong temptations to do the wrong thing. And my encouragement to you today is that you would rely on God and his word for the courage to do the right thing. Parents, moms, and dads, we have strong temptation to do the wrong thing. Wow, what a difference we can make in our family. We can change the legacy of our families, moms and dads, when we choose to do what's right. We choose to follow you businessmen and women sometimes you have the opportunity to make a decision that's wrong that will greatly benefit you financially if you're a Christ follower God's called you to do the right thing and I don't know about you but there are times when I'm incredibly weak so this morning I I just want to ask you do you need more courage do you need more of God's courage to do the right thing. If you're in here today and you say, Todd, I I just, I'm really struggling in this area. I always cave. I always compromise. If you're in here today and um, you'd say, I I just, I just need some help to have the courage to do the right thing. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, just in the quietness of this place. Just keep them up. Keep them up for a moment. Quite a few hands going up. If you're in here today and you're, you're like, Todd, I just, I just need a prayer for courage to do the right thing. Keep your hands up for a moment. Hey, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. Keep your hands up. I'm proud of you for saying, yeah, I, I got I to gotta change this. I, I need to be a change agent like Josiah. Um, I want to pray for you right now. Father God, I pray for those who are here right now, who are raising their hands and admitting, oh, man, they're about to cave, or maybe they have caved. Maybe they've given in. God, I pray for the grace and the mercy to be able to stand strong, for the courage that can truly only come from you. Help them to stand for you and not be prideful or boasting about it but God I pray that they would do it with humility and grace you can put your hands down you know the word of God says when we do things that please him that it brings him great happiness and that includes standing up for his ways and what he wants in life 
And when you and I do that, we have a great opportunity in our lives to have joy that we can find in him and take delight in him. And so, Father God, I pray that you would raise up a a church, a group of people um, who stand courageously for you. Oh, God, you're an awesome, attractive God, and may we be attractive to you. People are watching, just like they were watching Josiah. Help us to have that courage. And then, God, when we do the right thing, I pray it, it makes you happy, and I pray that we can delight then in you. And I pray all this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.